Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the New Territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Around Dodge City and in the territory out west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. And now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this fall. OCR Now, here is OCR Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of Gunsmoke. This episode of Gunsmoke is from May 18th, 1953, and the episode is entitled The Big Con, which is a 20th century term, not an 19th century term, which I find unusual. I can't help but think that the title of this story, which is, as I'm repeating myself, the big con. is kind of in direct competition with Dragnet, and I wonder maybe that one of the writers borrowed a little bit from the Jack Webb's show, Dragnet, because everything in Dragnet's episodes, every one of their scripts, is entitled the big something or other. The big con, the big gamble, the big bank robbery, the big holdup, the big steal, usually something like that. That's how all of the Jack Webb shows were entitled, all of them, including the TV shows. I don't know why, it just didn't make sense, but anyway. So, in this episode, Chester and Marshall Dillon are one of the first ones at the bank when it opens up in the morning. And a man comes in. And he talks to the owner of the bank. He has five cards in his hand, poker cards. And that is the hand that he is holding. He come from the Texas Trail to try and get a quick loan of $20,000 so that he can cover the bet that he has on the cards that he just showed the president of the bank. Of course, as you all know, no bank president in his right mind would give out that kind of a money to a gambler to cover a bet, even if he had the best cards in the world. But let's find out. Marshal, that man hook there has four aces and a ten in his hand. It's a sure thing. Why, the bank stands to make $2,000 on this loan, and it won't take but a few minutes. Well, you run the bank, Mr. Pepper. Are you sure you ought to take a gamble with other people's money this way? I can't lose. There's not a chance in a million. But I want you to protect this money till I get it back here. <laughs> so enjoy this episode of Gunsmoke and find out if, in fact, this is a con or not, and if the bank president is right or wrong, and what does Marshall Dillon do about it. And now let me talk about Frontier Gentlemen. Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to the Frontier Gentleman. This Frontier Gentleman is from May 18, 1958. The episode is entitled... Advice to the Lovelorn, and J.B. Kendall meets a young man who's going to meet a woman he's known for about a year or so, and he intends on marrying her. And so J.B. Kendall and young men share the stage together on their way to that town. The young man is expecting to find his girlfriend with a friend of his who he 
allowed to look after her for him. Gloria's girlfriend is waiting for him, but there's a couple of important things that he doesn't know. And the man charged with looking after the girl is also in that same town, and they're going straight to his place of business. Let's listen. Tom, boy, while you're here, pump me a jug of water, will you? Old Doc Thorne says I gotta drink plenty of water. And Mrs. Carroll's been helping out, but she ain't showed up yet today. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll be right back, Charlie. Thank you. I ain't got the stomach to tell him all the truth of it. You'll have to find out sooner or later for yourself. She married Feeney. Oh? Yeah. Right before the trial. Guess it was partly my fault. I should have seen it. Carrie getting lonesome waiting for Tommy and Feeney coming in here. His fancy spending ways. He runs a gambling in Holloman Saloon. Well, next thing you know, Carrie's looking cow eyes at him. Well, don't you think it'd be better to tell Hart now about the marriage? Hey, listen, you keep an eye on him, will you? Tom's got a bad temper. So enjoy this frontier, gentlemen, from May 18th, 1958. And I'll be back next week. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Trouble could start any time in Dodge, but usually it was at night that the men made their play along Front Street. And so ordinarily, I was up a good part of the night and did my sleeping in the morning. It was a rare thing for me to be out in the early day, and for some reason, it worried Chester. I just don't understand why you couldn't sleep, Mr. Dillon, unless you had the colic or something. <laughs> I feel fine, Chester. Just got a few things to take care of at the bank, that's all. Yes, I know, but the bank's open all day. Uh, you know what they always say, Chester. It's the early bird that catches the worm. Yeah. My ma used to tell us that one about being healthy, wealthy, and wise. She used to root us out of bed every morning at daylight on account of it. It's a good saying. Yeah, I don't know whatever become of my brothers, but I'm sure not living in a very big house. Well, maybe you ought to come in here more often. <laughs> I got no business with the bank, Mr. Dillon. Well, morning, Mr. Fogg. Morning, Chester. Morning, Mr. Dillon. Morning, Fogg. I'll be over there in a minute as soon as I straighten this stuff out. Good morning, Marshal. Good morning, Mr. Papp. You taking money out, Marshal, or putting it in? <laughs> Neither, Mr. Papp. This is government business. <laughs> oh, I see. Who are those men, Marshal? What? I say, who are those men? Uh, I never saw them before. That one in the middle holding the envelope. He seems pretty excited okay. about I something. Certainly, sir. What can I do for you? I want a loan of money immediately. Well, we'll do what we can, sir. First of all, how much do you want? $20,000. $20,000. Mr. Pat, 
Yes? Yes, excuse me, Mark. Gentlemen, this is our president. Uh, you'll have to talk with him. I heard you say $20,000, gentlemen. That's a lot of money. What do you have for collateral? My collateral, sir, is right here in this envelope. You may look at it, but don't reveal it to these other gentlemen. He's playing don't, cards. Don't name them. I'm afraid I don't understand. Well, I've been in a poker game at the Texas Trail all night long. Right now, there's about $40,000 in that pot. There are some good hands out. I've put every cent I have into it already. Now, they've given me just 20 minutes to come up with more money. <laughs> well, I certainly wish you luck, sir, but I never You've heard of it. You've seen my hand in that envelope. You can lend me the money on that. But surely, sir, you don't expect the bank to enter a gambling game. Now, these gentlemen are also in the game. They came along to see that those cards aren't changed. The other men are watching the table at the Texas Trail. It's all fair and square, I assure you. Well, gentlemen, I... I'll gladly pay you 10% interest, sir. You've only got five minutes left, Hook. Uh, come along, gentlemen. We'll step in the back office. Well, now that's about the craziest thing I ever did here. He must have a pretty good hand, Chester. I know, sir, but you don't think Mr. Papp's going to let him have $20,000 on it? It certainly looks that way. Yeah, there we are. I'll take care of this and we'll get out of here. Uh, this is government stuff, Fogg. You know what to do with it. Certainly, Mr. Dillon. Now, let me see if... Marshal. Uh, Marshal, I want you to come with me. What? Uh, these gentlemen, there's a poker game, and I've got the money here. I think you'd better come along just to be safe. You mean you gave him his $20,000, Mr. Pat? Yes, yes, of course. Now, come over here, Marshal, I'll tell you. All right. Hey, Marshal, that man Hook there has four aces and a ten in his hand. It's a sure thing. Why, the bank stands to make $2,000 on this loan, and it won't take but a few minutes. Well, you run the bank, Mr. Pat, but are you sure you ought to take a gamble with other people's money this way? I can't lose. There's not a chance in a million. But I want you to protect this money till I get it back here. Well, all right. I'll see nobody takes it at the point of a gun, if you think that'll help. Good, good. Now, you, you come along, then. Hook's only got a few minutes to get back in the game. All right, there's my money, Mr. Shaneways. I'm calling you, sir. You must have a pretty good hand, Hook. All the trouble you've been to. You will see it. What have you got? Five little hearts, all blue. <laughs> I win, sir, four aces. But look at my hearts. They read two, three, four, five, and six. Straight flush. Your aces lose, Hook. Aces? Aces, how could he have a straight flush? Got it up right out of the deck, Hook. Right out of the deck. Ah, nice pot. Had enough, but he... He won. Mr. Pat. Sir, I, I, I don't know what to say. $20,000. Just like that, $20,000. It's not even my oh, money. Now, Mr. Pat, don't you worry, sir. I only borrowed that money. You'll have it back. You have my word as a Confederate gentleman on that. Look, please. Look, I've got to have it back. It's not my money. I have to put it back in the bank. I'll be ruined if people find out you about it. You only this. loaned the money, sir. I lost it. Now, I'll send for it today, sir. I'll wire my agents. They'll have it on the next Santa Fe that leaves St. Louis. 
No, look. No, I don't think that'll happen. My word as a gentleman, sir. But you must be patient. I shouldn't have done it. I had no right to do it. Chester. Yes, sir. Go tell Doc I want to see him. Yes, Mr. Dillon. All right. Everybody. Now, listen to me. All of you. Now, I don't want a word said about this to anyone. The bank's important to Dodge, and this could ruin it. You understand? We have no reason to spread All right, then, see to it. Or there'll be trouble for all of you. Well, certainly, Martin. Mr. Papp, hold up a minute, will you? Mr. Papp? Marshal, I should have listened to you. I'm ruined now. Now, look, Mr. Papp, maybe Hook's got money, I don't know, but if not, we'll figure something out. People will give you time. No. No, they won't. As soon as they hear about this, there won't be any bank. They won't trust it anymore. But they have to. It's the only bank there is. What'll Joanne think? My kids. I can't face it, Marshal. I just can't face it. Now, look, you just go back to the bank and tell the cashier to keep his mouth shut about this. you just got to give it time. Sure, Marshal. I'll go. I'll go. Marshal. Uh, Marshal, sir. I am sorry for that man, but he has no reason to worry. I'll send for the money at once. Yeah, you do that, Mr. Hook. Send for the money. Uh, gentlemen, what are your names? My name's Sheenways, Marshal. Now, I'm sorry for that banker, but it's nothing to do with me. I won this money fair, and I'm keeping it. Sure, Mr. Sheenways, of course you are. Who are you, Mr. Warden? And I agree with Shane Ways. Gambling money's fair money. Nobody is arguing that, Mr. Varden. But remember, gentlemen, what I said. Don't talk about this. Oh, well, hey, uh, Matt. Chester said you wanted me. What's happened? Didn't hear any shooting. Everything's all right, Doc. Oh, well, that's it. Oh. <laughs> you look familiar. <laughs> Don't you? I haven't had the pleasure, sir. Oh, well, maybe not, uh... No, I guess not. My mistake. Uh, never mind, Doc. Come on. Yeah. <clears throat> Chester said he'd wait at the office, Matt. Look, Doc, I want you to go over to the bank. Mr. Papp is pretty upset. See what you can do for him, huh? Give him a bromide or something. Uh, sure, Matt. What's wrong with him, anyway? He just lost $20,000 in a poker game. He lost $20,000. And he wasn't playing. He lent the money on the strength of what looked like a good hand. That man, Hook, came into the bank for it with the other two. Oh. He brought his cards along and raised the loan that way, huh? What? How did you know? Oh, I, I heard of it once, Matt. It was down in New Orleans. Oh, that was years ago. Well, what happened? Well, 
the same thing. Father got the money and he lost it. That's all. You mean it was fixed between him and the others? Oh, sure, it was fixed all right. Well, how did they find out? Well, the fellow that borrowed the money got drunk and he talked and they put him in jail. But, but the others got away clean. Look, Doc, that gray-haired man you thought you recognized, his name's Hook. Are you sure you never saw him before? Oh, a lot of people look familiar at first glance, man. You know how did you... Look, in New Orleans, you, you didn't know the men who pulled the trick on the bank, did you? Well, people said that they'd come down on the riverboat. I was doctor on the Tennessee Bell then, but I never met them, not to my knowledge anyway. You recall hearing their names? Well, that was a long time ago, Matt. Look, Doc, those three back there may have just pulled the same thing now. Hook looked familiar to you. Maybe he remembers you, too. Well, he just said he'd never met Doc, me, Doc, he could be lying. Well, sure, but I'm, I can't place him. I probably never saw him before. Well, go see what you can do for Pep. He's in pretty bad shape. Oh, sure, man. Gamblers were always drifting in and out of Dodge. Some of them were crooked and some, it had been said, were honest. Ordinarily, it didn't matter much one way or the other. Most men could take care of themselves. But now the bank was involved. The citizens of Dodge had their faith in that bank, as well as their money. I gave it a lot of thought the next hour or so, and finally I had an idea that seemed like a start anyway. I explained it to Chester, and together we went back to the Texas Trail. Shane Ways and Varden were idly cutting cars. And Hook was at the bar talking to Kitty. <laughs> Hello, Matt. Kitty. Yes, sir. Hi, Miss Kitty. Uh, do you know Mr. Hook? Uh, this is Marshal Dillon. We met earlier, Kitty. Why, yes, indeed. This morning? I must have smelled trouble, Kitty. I got up early. <laughs> You're always smelling trouble, Matt. Yeah. Leave your beer, Hook, and come with me. What for? Just do it. Oh, whatever you say, Marshal. Miss Kitty, I'll be back. Yeah, sure. All right, Varden, Shaneways, get up and follow Chester. What? Is this an arrest? Now, what would I be arresting you for, Mr. Shaneways? What? Nothing. You've no reason. That's right. All right, come on, let's go. Follow her along, please. Right. What is the idea of bringing us in here, Marshal? Well, good morning, gentlemen. What can I... Oh, hello, Marshal. Chester. Hello, Lum. Lum, these men want their pictures taken. Oh, no, not me. I don't. I've got plenty of pictures. Can you do it right away, Lum? No, certainly can, Marshal. And, gentlemen, you'll be the very first to stand before a new drop. The ancient temples of Greece. It'll lend you dignity, power. What's the idea of this, Marshal? Lum's just going to take your pictures, that's all. Oh, uh, Lum, front and side views both, huh? Oh, certainly, Marshal, certainly. And then, gentlemen, if you leave Dodge, any of you, it'll make it a lot easier for the law to find you and bring you back, wherever you go. This is outrageous. I won't stand for it. I... Pardon, wait a minute. I agree the Marshal is being a little high-handed, but after all, he must protect himself in his job. But since we've done nothing wrong, we have nothing to fear. Sure. Hook's right, Wolf Garden. I'll go first. 
Are you ready, Lum? No, right this way, sir. Chester, you stay here and wait for the pictures. Bring them over when they're finished. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Lum's a pretty good photographer, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, these aren't bad. Uh, lock them up in the safe, will you, Chester? All right. You think this will keep them in Dodge, sir? No, not if they really get scared. They're guilty, all right, aren't they, Mr. Dillon? And I can't prove a thing, Chester, one way or the other. Uh, Mac! Oh, Mac. Bad news. What, Doc? Well, this is Pap. Sent for me a little while ago. I just come from there. Oh? Matt, he, he killed himself. Suicide. Pap? Bonargo. Why, that poor man. How's Mrs. Pap taking it? Not a tear so far, but I suppose she'll break down later. Neighbor woman's there with her. Yeah. Does she know why he did it, Doc? Well, it seems he told her all about it, and then he went out and he shot himself. And yeah, there's no stopping it now. The story will be all over town in no time. Well, what are you going to do now, Matt? I don't know, Doc. I just don't know. We will return with the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, today's opportunity knocks twice for qualified women. For the younger woman, the career of nursing offers opportunity unlimited. Ask how you can enroll as a student nurse at any hospital at the nurse's registry desk. And for the older woman, there are many thousands of openings in practical nursing. Graduate nurses or practical nurses will find expanding career opportunities for years to come. Act immediately. Serve humanity and provide for your own secure future. Now the second act of Gunsmoke. I'll buy you a drink, Kitty. Uh, gosh, I'd like it, Matt, but I just said I'd join Hook over at his table. Well, I'd like to talk to him, too. I'll just sit with you for a few minutes. That's fine with me. I don't know about him, though. Oh, I don't think he'll object. I uh, just have time for a smoke, Mr. Hook. I didn't think you'd mind. Why, no, of course not. You're quite welcome, Marshal. May I buy you a drink? No, thank you. Marshal, I want you to know I sent for that money today, just as I promised. Oh? You're a little late. Late? Mr. Papp shot himself. He, d he did. You mean Mr. Papp, the banker? Yeah. But why, Matt? He just always seems so quiet like. Maybe Mr. Hook will explain it, Kitty. But now, Marshal, you can't hold me responsible in any way at all. I didn't say I could, Hook. But you seem kind of nervous about it. Well, naturally, I'm upset. After all, that man did me a great favor. Yeah, sure, like... sure. But I don't think the people in Dodge are going to like it much when they find out. Tell me something, Mr. Hook. When were you in New Orleans last? New Orleans? Mm-hmm. Well, why do you ask that, Marshal? 
Just curious. Well, sir, I've never been in your audience. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it's good enough. For now. Goodbye, Kitty. I'll drop by later. Sure, Matt. And, uh, Mr. Hook, it still goes about not leaving town. I like it here, Marshal. Yeah. Yeah, you should. Maybe I should have arrested Hook and his friends without any evidence and just seized the $20,000 and put it back where it belonged. That might have saved people's faith in the bank, but I figured my job was to give them faith in the law, and I couldn't do it that way. I'd made it plain to Hook what I suspected, and I hoped it'd scare him into making a mistake. And it did. But I didn't learn about it until next morning when I was having breakfast at the Dodge house. Mr. Dillon? What? I've been looking everywhere for you at your room, Delmonico's, the Texas Trail, everywhere. This is the last place I hit. Well, what is it, Chester? Here. Look at here. Just you read that. Marshal, we're taking Doc along. If you follow us, we'll kill him. Where'd you get this, Chester? He was under the door when I opened up this morning. I ran up to Doc's right away, and sure enough, Mr. Dillon, he's gone. Come on. Uh, go check the depot and the stage line, Chester. I'll cover the livery stables. All right, sir. That'll take me longer, so you get our horses ready. I'll meet you at the office, huh? Yes, sir. Well, it's the marshal. You're out early today. Not early enough, Andy. Yeah? What can I do for I you? I want to know if you rented out any horses last night. Well, sure, a few. Why? Did you rent four to anybody, four in a bunch? Why, yes, I sure did. Be back today, so they said. Who said? Well, strangers to me. Paid me in advance, though. <laughs> the greenhorn. What time was this, Sandy? Oh, uh, it was late. Yeah, it was way after midnight, it was. Something wrong? Yeah. Tell me, Andy, what they look like? Well, one was, a, was an old fellow, gray hair. Didn't give me his name, though. I don't think I got much of a look at the other one. You have any idea which trail they took out of town? I know I don't. Uh, one of them said something about St. Louis. Uh, but that's not much help, is it? That might be. Oh, thanks, Andy. Oh, one thing, Marshal. Yeah? If you're riding after them, those horses, they got are just crowbaits. I didn't figure they could handle anything better. There was nothing to do but take a chance and ride east. Luck was with us, though, and within an hour, we cut their trail. Four horses leave a pretty fair track, and we followed it riding hard. By dusk, we could tell by their sign that we'd nearly caught up with them. And soon after dark, we spotted their fire. These were gentlemen, maybe, but they were mighty poor hands on the prairie. We left our horses and went ahead on foot. Gonna shoot it out with him, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, we can't chance it, Chester. They'd kill Doc. Yeah. Now, hold up a minute. Now, that's their horses just ahead. <laughs> they sure staked them a good piece from camp. Yeah. Lie down, Chester. <laughs> what do we do, Mr. Dillon? I just wait. Those men are mighty green at this game. I think we can steal their horses without any trouble at all. Leave my foot, huh? Yeah. Now, look, Chester, when we get those horses, I want you to pick up ours and take the whole bunch out of sight. 
I'm going to crawl into that tall grass just to the left of the fire there and hide until morning. Mr. Dillon, why can't I go with you? Every time we get in trouble, you always send me off alone somewhere. You always do everything alone. Do as I tell you, Chester. Yes, sir. You just wait till you hear gunfire. And then ride in fast and bring all the horses. All right. Good luck. By dawn next morning, I was half burrowed into the ground and covered by blue stem grass, not more than 30 feet from their camp. I could hear their talk all right, but I couldn't see them unless they were on their feet. Shaneways had already gone out after the horses. Pretty soon he was back. With their ropes, that's what every last one of them. What do we do now? You and Shaneways go after them. I'll stay here and guard Doc. Hurry up, we've got to get moving. Come on, Wagner, we'll never find him. I ain't coming. I don't know why he's going. You can have this country, Doc. I don't know why you ever left that soft berth you had on the Tennessee Bell. Well, I didn't have to leave it. <laughs> That's more than you can say about New Orleans. More <laughs> talk like that, you'll get your throat slashed like a fat shoat, Doc. Oh, spoken like a true gentleman, a hook, or whatever your name is. Now, if you hadn't talked so much in the first place, you wouldn't be where you are now. Oh, you're a fool, Hook. I might have seen you somewhere, but I sure couldn't connect you with that New Orleans business. <laughs> anyway, you're giving yourself away now. Yes, Hal. Don't you know there wasn't a thing the law could do until you ran? Oh, you'll be caught now for sure, yeah. All right, darling. Why don't you untie my hands? I can't eat this way. You'll manage. I let Hook and Doc wrangle on till I figured the other two men had walked about a half a mile from camp. Then I waited till Hook had his back to me, and I stood up slowly, moved quietly forward. Doc saw me and almost spoiled the game, but he caught himself in time and then started another argument with Hook. I was about 15 feet away when Doc suddenly kicked the coffee pot off the fire and all over Hook's legs. Then I moved. Hit him again, Matt. He can stand it. No, no. No, that's enough. All right, get up, Hook. Uh, oh, Marshal, easy now. Don't, don't shoot. Get Marshall. Doc untied and be quick about yes, it. Yes, get me untied and be quick about it. Yes, yes. Oh, oh, that feels better. Oh, Hook, if I weren't a professional man, I'd punch you right in the eye. Never mind, Doc. Here, put his gun in your belt. Yeah, I'm just mad enough. I'd like to have an excuse to use this. Uh, Matt, what are you doing? You'll see. Uh, Matt! You'll have them back here in no time. I got a surprise for Hook, but he's not going to like it much. Huh? Oh, Where uh, they got the money, Doc? He in that saddlebag, right over there. The All right, get it. Call you quick. Hurry up. Them two didn't get very far away. All right, Doc, if you got the money, get up on the horse. You too, Hook. Come on, quick now. Come on. You're under the come. You see him, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, I see him. They're shooting at us. Well, I'll fix that. All right, hold it, Chester. They can't hit us from there. Come on, let's ride. <laughs> You just gonna ride off and leave them, Matt? Well, we got you, Doc, and we got Hook, and we got the money. Oh, but they'll, they'll die out here, Marshal. Because none of us know how to live out in this prairie. Well, maybe they'll learn. It's a good way. You're murdering those men. Oh, they'll be all right for a few days, Hook. You'll all meet in prison. All right, he's up. Oh, we've left. Oh, well, what do you plan to do about them? They're full of fight right now, that's all. I don't want to have to kill them to take them. 
But in a few days, they'll be so hungry and scared, we can walk right up to them. Nobody will get hurt that way. Neither them or us. Mr. Dillon? Yeah, what is it, Chester? Mr. Dillon, later, in a couple of days, let me come back and bring them in. What? Just me, this time, alone. Well, now, Chester, I... Please, uh... Mr. Dillon. Okay, Chester. You can do it. Alone. Thank you, sir. All right, Hook. Ride a little faster there. We ain't got all day. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Harry Bartell, Ralph Moody, James Nusser, Joe Cranston, Paul Dubov, and Peter Leeds. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. This Monday night on the Lux Radio Theater, June Allison recreates her original screen role and appears as the girl in white. Don't miss the Lux Radio Theater this Monday night on most of these same CBS radio stations. George Walsh speaking. America now wakes up to three million clock radios and listens most to the CBS radio network. two things in Cheyenne. One, that hucky dummy is baking powder bread with raisins. The other, that love's labor is not always lost, even if you don't know how to use a gun. Frontier Gentlemen. with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. (laughs) 
I had spent a week in Chugwater with hyena Bob Saunders, who ran the Cheyenne and Black Hills stage station. Now, I was on my way back to Cheyenne to send off to the London Times one or two of the more choice stories he had told me. There was only one other passenger in the stage with me, a man in his middle twenties. He introduced himself as Tom Hart. He was well-dressed, and at first glance, I took him to be an Easterner. No, I was born in Kansas, reared in Montana territory. Now I call Wyoming my home. How about you? Uh, born in England? I'm trying to make a living writing, writing articles on the West for the London Times. Oh, you been in Cheyenne yet? Oh, yes. How are things? Well, that's hard to say. I haven't seen too much of it. Three years since I was there. I guess the town's changed some. <laughs> this road sure hasn't. <laughs> well, Cheyenne's thriving, I can tell you that. Yeah, I've heard. Big cattle interest. I gather you're coming back from the east. <laughs> These fancy dude clothes, huh? Yeah, I... Men in the east and other parts, men gets tired of drifting, though. Comes time to go home, that's where I'm headed. Cheyenne? Yeah. I made me some good money. Now I figure to get married and raise a flock of kids. That's a worthwhile project. There's a girl in Cheyenne, Kendall. We've been writing. Leastways up to a year back, I got a letter from her when I was in New York. I wish you luck. Thanks. You married? No. Well, they say it ties a man down, but I figure if a gal's got her mind made up for marriage, you might as well drop your rope on her, because if you don't, somebody else is going to. I see you have the, the philosopher's attitude toward marriage. Well, I don't know about that, but I've been lone wolfing long enough. Carrie is her name. Carrie Hudson. To be a cookie pusher up at the Blue Star Cafe. A cookie pusher? A waitress. Oh. I'll tell you what, when we get in town, you come on up with me to the Blue Star. Used to have the best eats in town, I guess they still do. I'll be proud to have you meet Carrie. We spent the rest of the journey discussing matters of both consequence and triviality. Hart had received no formal education. But his travels had given him a certain sophistication, and the time passed pleasantly. When we arrived in Cheyenne, I tried to persuade him that his fiancée would be much happier to greet him alone, but Hart would have none of it. He insisted that I accompany him, and so together we walked to where he knew the Blue Star Cafe to be. Charlie Bannister runs the place. Charlie looks like bad medicine. There's some says he used to be a short trigger man, but it ain't true. By the way he looked after Carrie... You'd think she was his own daughter. I sure had to play it straight before Charlie let me start riding her down the gal. Say, listen, you hungry? A little. You wait till you taste Charlie's hockey dummy. He used to be a range cook, and there's never been a man-made hockey dummy the way Charlie makes it. Hey, that's funny. Huh. Looks as though it's closed. It does for a fact. First time I ever knew the blue started closed. You see anybody moving around in there? No. Hmm. What? She's open. Hello, Charlie? 
Whoever you are, come on in back. You sure don't figure. Hey, Charlie, you'll... What do you say, Tom? Charlie, this is a fella I met on the stage coming in. J.B. Kendall. How are you? Hello, Charlie. What's happened? How'd you get like this? I guess you ain't heard. There was a shoot-up in here a year or so ago. Carrie. Is Carrie all right? When it was finished, the boys had done the shooting, robbed me, and hightailed it out. I ain't moved from the bed since, Tom. What about Carrie? She ain't here no more. Well, where'd she go? Ask Jack Feeney up to Holloman Saloon. I'm asking you, Charlie. And I ain't saying. You and me was friends, Tom. I'd leave, keep it that way. Now, what's Jack Feeney got to do with it? What, Charlie? All right, I'll tell you. Carrie took a shine to him while you was gone. That's a lie. I told Feeney to leave her alone. There was word. I threw him out. Same night he comes back with one of his boys and they fill me full of lead. Well, wasn't this Feeney arrested then, Charlie? Sure, but it was his word against mine, and Carrie took his side and swore at the trial it was someone else had come in and shot me up. Is she with Feeney now? I ain't seen her since that day. Hey, Tom, boy, while you're here, pump me a jug of water, will you? Old Doc Thorne says I got a drink, plenty of water. And Mrs. Carroll's been helping out, but she ain't showed up yet today. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll be right back, Charlie. Thank you. I ain't got the stomach to tell him all the truth of it. You'll have to find out sooner or later for yourself. She married Feeney. Oh? When? Yeah. Right before the trial. Guess it was partly my fault. I should have seen it. Gary getting lonesome waiting for Tommy and Feeney coming in here. His fancy spending ways. He runs a gambling in Holloman Saloon. Well, next thing you know, Carrie's looking cow-eyes at him. Well, don't you think it'd be better to tell Hart now about the marriage? Say, listen, you keep an eye on him, will you? Tom's got a bad temper. He gets it in his head to start trouble, there's likely to be a killing. All the more reason to tell him, then. This way, he'll go up to the saloon looking for her. Yeah, I guess you're right. It wouldn't be so good. Here's your water, Charlie. Anything else I can do for you? Yeah. Stay away from Holloman's saloon. I lied to you before, Tom. She's there with Feeney. They're married. Anything else I can do for you, Charlie? No, I reckon not. Hey, hey, come on back and see me if you have a mind to. I'd sure like to hear about your travels. I'll do that. So long. You take it easy, Tom. Uh, goodbye, Charlie. You, you take it easy, Tom. Well... I guess I'll be seeing you, Kendall. Where will you go, Tom? Not that it's any of your business, but I guess you ask out of kindness. I'm going up to Holloman's Saloon and have me a few drinks. Oh, well, mind if I come along? No. No, I don't mind. We walked down the main street. I knew it was pointless to tell him that trying to see his girl was the worst thing he could do to himself. I rather liked him. And I suppose that's the reason I went with him. He didn't say a word until we reached the saloon. Then he said... You go ahead, Kendall. I'll meet you in there in a few minutes. I got an errand to do first. Oh, I'll come with you. I don't mind. I do. Just order me a bottle of whiskey. I'll see you inside. <laughs> 
All right. Well, hello, stranger. You're a little early, but what's your pleasure? Cards? A dance? Drink? Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm looking for Carrie. Oh, for what? Are you Carrie? Yes. Um, can we sit at the table? I don't sit with customers, mister. That's for the girls. You want to talk business, you can talk to my husband. A friend of yours is in Cheyenne. Tom Hart. Tom? He's just heard about you. He'll be coming in here in a minute. I thought you ought to know. Thanks, mister. How... How did he take the news? He got it from Charlie. Well, he'll probably get very drunk. I imagine I'd do the same. He won't make trouble. I'll try to see that he doesn't. Has he said anything about me? Only that he was expecting to marry you. He didn't write. I thought... It doesn't matter. Anybody got the price of a drink in his pockets, welcome. That goes for Tom Hart as well as the next man. You want a table, mister? Uh, yes, a table would be fine. This way. What are you drinking? Oh, beer, I think. Uh, yes, and a bottle of whiskey. My husband. Jack doesn't like him. I wouldn't want Tom to get hurt on account of me. Will you get him out of here if he's looking for someone to sharpen his horns on? I'll do my best. Thanks. Beer and a bottle of whiskey, mister. Beer and a bottle of whiskey. Well, where's the drinks? On their way, Tom. What's the gun for, Tom? She's right clean and shining, ain't she? Sent me back $20. Put it away. Uh -uh. I bought it and I aim to use it. As soon as I get drunk enough, I'm going to kill me a skunk called Feeney. In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. Fast with a quip, faster at making time with a beautiful girl, but fastest of all with a clue. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, will be along with his latest insurance investigation later today on CBS Radio. Get next to Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar on most of these stations. Now, we return you to the Anthony Ellis production of Frontier Gentlemen. Tom Hart and I sat at a table in Holloman's saloon, and between us lay a brand new 44 revolver. After a moment, Tom picked it up and slowly rotated the cylinder. He didn't turn as Carrie came toward us, didn't look up as she put down my beer and Tom's bottle of whiskey. Yes, sir. It's a mighty pretty talking iron. How are you, Tom? Hmm? Oh, Carrie. Yeah, I, I heard you was here. Well, you're looking good. You know, back east, they, they drink a toast to new married folks. So I drink to you, Carrie. <clears throat> well, where's your husband, Mrs. Feeney? Jack's out. 
Don't make trouble, Tom. What's done is done. That's the way you see it, huh, Carrie? You never wrote. I didn't have to. You were my girl. I told you I'd be back, but you couldn't wait. I waited two years. You was in such a hurry, you had to get Feeney to put Charlie out of the way, too. That's hmm? not so, Tom. Charlie, he's lying in bed. He don't move anything but his arms anymore. Your husband did a right fine job. You ain't even been to see him since. That doesn't do much good, you know. She's not the same anymore. At first I thought she was, but she's not. She was a girl. A nice girl when I left. She got too much paint now. Looks like a honky-tonk woman. Finish your drink, we'll go. There's time. There's plenty of time. I want to have a talk with Jack Feeney. He shot up a friend of mine, you remember? <clears throat> you want to leave? It's all right, Kendall. You go ahead. I'll stay. You want a whiskey to chase down that beer? No, thank you. You know why I'm going to get drunk? <laughs> I've got a rough idea. Yeah? How rough? Well, Tom, you know, you really haven't got any right to start trouble with Feeney. What about Charlie? What about him? The court said Feeney was innocent. Charlie says he did it. And if you shoot Feeney, they'll find you guilty. What'll you prove? She said she was going to wait. She said she loved me. <laughs> now, ain't that a laugh? Love. That's why you're getting drunk. Then you'll be able to get angry without thinking. You talk too much. Well, you asked me. Where'd she go? Up the stairs. Hey, you figure she was lying. Maybe Jack Feeney's here. She's gone up to tell him. I don't know. Well, I'm going to find out. No, I wouldn't. No, uh, sit down, Tom. Give me that gun, Kendall. Now, you sit down. You're not that drunk yet, and you're not going up there to start shooting. Give me the gun. No. You're bigger than me, but I ain't afraid to tangle with you. I didn't say you were. All right. I'm going up there without a gun. Oh, don't be a fool. Tom. Don't rile me, Tom, mister. Tom, she's married to him. You'll find another girl. Hey, where are you going? How come you're going up to me in my wife's rooms? I figured to find you there, Feeney. Well, Tom Hart. That's right. I stepped out for a while. If I'd known you was going to pay a visit, I'd have come back sooner. Have you seen my wife, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen her. Well, we'll have to get her down and have a friendly drink together. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting your friend. J.B. Kendall. Put her there, Kendall. Carrie, come on down. Hey, Lester, bring a bottle of champagne. I didn't come to drink with you, Feeney. I came to kill you. Well, sure, you can do that any time, but you'll have a drink first, huh? Here, sit down, boys. When'd you get back in town, Tom? Today. And I seen Charlie. Yeah? I heard about Charlie. You was too bad him getting shot like that. The way Charlie tells it, you did the shooting. Poor fella. They say it made him a mite loco. Here's your champagne, Mr. Feeney. Uh, and here comes the prettiest little woman in Cheyenne. Sit down, Carrie. I hear you've met Mr. Kendall here. And Tom? Yes. Well, it's like old times. Except the thing or two has changed. I got me a new wife. What'd you get back east, Tom? 
I'm telling you something, Feeney. I had a gun, which a friend of mine didn't figure I was drunk enough, or, or maybe sober enough to use. Well, I'm going out and get another one. And the next time I see you, I'm going to be using it. He sure is excitable, ain't he? You figure he's still galling over you, Carrie? What does it matter? What do you think, Kendall? I think that Tom Hart's in a mood for murder. Whether it's because of your wife, Charlie, I don't know. Jack didn't shoot Charlie, Mr. Kendall. I know he didn't because we were together that night. That's true. Must have been a couple of cowboys dropped into Charlie's place and robbed him, gave him lead poison, but it wasn't me. Why does Charlie say it was? That was at the trial, he said it then, too. Of course, my lawyer, he showed where it was dark in Charlie's cafe, and Charlie couldn't rightly tell who was in there that night. Charlie figured it was me, because we'd had words the same day. I think I'd better find Tom. Now, don't you go worrying, Kendall. You cool down. Besides, Tommy ain't no kind of a hand with a gun, and he knows it. If he comes looking for me, we'll take care of him. Which was exactly what I was afraid of. I spent the next hour going from one saloon to the next, looking for Tom. I couldn't find him. And so I went back to see the one person who I thought might be able to help. No, he ain't come back here. Took it bad, huh? Yes. Yeah, it's a trouble with that boy. Everything nice and easy with him. Never could figure what he was really thinking. But when he busted loose... Charlie, are you still positive it was Feeney who shot you? Sure am. Well, Carrie says he was with her that night. She's lying. Why would she lie? Well, don't ask me how come a woman does what she does. I think the one reason that Tom's going after Feeney now is a matter of pride. He doesn't want to back down. He'll use you as an excuse. I don't need any man to fight my war. Do you think there's a chance, even a remote one, that it was dark that night you were shot and perhaps you were mistaken about Feeney? Well, I guess there's a chance, but... Charlie, if I can find Tom, if he knows that, if you'll tell... Shh. Carrie. Is he here? No. I had to come. I don't want him to get hurt. I wanted to talk with him. Ain't much for you to say, seems to me. I made a mistake. I'm not making another. It was Jack shot you, Charlie. I lied for him. Uh -huh. He said if I didn't either he or his boys, it'd get you for good. He said he'd kill me, too. Then why'd you marry him? I had to. That doesn't matter now. We've got to find Tom. Jack sent two of his boys out looking for him. He wants to kill Tom. Why? I guess he knows. He's always known how I feel. And I'm going back to the saloon. You'd better stay here, Carrie. Couldn't find him, huh? No. Well, he's probably sobered up by now. He'll be all right. Yeah, nice fella, Tom. Just a little too hot-headed for his own good, that's all. Well, I imagine when a man comes home and finds his girl married to another man, it can be a little upsetting. Sure, sure. And then, seeing a good friend of his lying paralyzed, shot by the man who married his girl, it's likely to make a chap unreasonable. Even though he's wrong, yeah, I see what you mean. Then, if, if he finds out that the girl's husband forced her to lie... And if he finds out that the girl still loves him, he'd be in quite a state. Yeah, that wouldn't be so good, would it? Hmm. Now, if I were the husband, 
I'd want to get rid of that fellow, say, a fellow like Tom, because my life wouldn't be safe for one minute. I'd send some men out looking for him with orders to shoot on sight. You got any more ideas along that line? Well, if a man like Tom had a friend, the friend wouldn't want to see Tom uh, bushwhacked, I think is the word. That friend is talking himself into a mite of trouble. <laughs> you think so? Then the friend would make another suggestion. Yeah. The husband is quite obviously a most unpleasant person. And the best thing he could do would be to give his wife a divorce so that she can live a decent life with Tom Hart. I'm back, Feeney. Yeah, I see you are, Tom. Candle, get away from me. I'm giving him a chance to draw, which is more than he did for Charlie. You heard him, Kendall. It's a fair fight. I heard. Tom, look out! Behind you! Thank you, Kendall. Oh, not at all. Those are two of Mr. Feeney's chums. They've been looking for you. Now, Feeney, you were saying something about a fair fight. Now, listen, Tom. Draw. I ain't fighting with you. You ain't got the guts of a lizard. Draw. I told you, I ain't... Dirty son of a gun! I ain't fighting. Well, I ain't... Oh, my. Sounded as though you broke his jaw, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, didn't he? I think Mr. Feeney will be leaving town. I also think he'll want to give Carrie a divorce. Oh? I thought you might be interested. Incidentally, what would you have done if he had drawn on you? I don't know. Never thought about it. He probably would have killed me. <laughs> yes. I think he would. Well, I'll take care of the arrangements here. You better go over to Charlie's now. Carrie's waiting. Waiting? For me? Well, I don't imagine it's for me. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Vic Perrin, Virginia Gregg, Jack Crucian, and Harry Bartell. Music was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. John Wall speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. <laughs>